back. Pow, pow. No, we don't do that here, Daniel. Bruh. Hey, what? Hey, what is this? What is this? I've the takeover. I've lost control already. Ed White, Derek Lewis, is this a crossover episode again? The crossover. Yeah, this is a takeover episode. Welcome. Oh my God, he's gonna do damage this episode. He's like, I was quiet. <laughs> I was quiet earlier in the week, but now I'm here to do the real damage. While you were sleeping. While you were sleeping, I was lifting hundred in the gym. Uh-uh. <laughs> Welcome to a midweek take. I am, of course, your man. I said it silently, Daniel. They didn't hear it that time. They didn't hear it. I said it silently. Was Same disrespect. D.R. Lewis. Not. The third baby. And I am back with all my friends in the middle of your week. Uh, last week, kind of dropped the episode a little late, so it's kind of at the end of your week. So hopefully we'll get back on track <laughs> this week. Uh, but back in the middle of your week, uh, this is the show where we take all sorts of topics and we we actually we don't Everything break them under the sun and we don't break them down we just this is what i like to call hot take theater this is where we let our our id run wild we, we yes. we're unrestrained on this this sometimes we have a mailbag yeah i like it. daniel doing the joe biden finger gun uh for those of you who can't <laughs> see because this is a uh, audio format but he's doing the joe biden finger gun the jim carrey of joe biden finger gun to be exact uh so sometimes, you know, we take... Joe had one job, man. One job to do when he did his speech. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. Yeah, I'm sorry, Daniel. You got it. Sometimes, sometimes you don't get what you want, but you, you get what you need. So this is a show where we uh, take many topics and we talk about them. Sometimes we have a mailbag segment. Daniel curates that. And it's called Either the Streets, Not Today. Special election post-election episode of yes. a midweek take uh where we are going to break out break down the ins and outs of the 2020 presidential election what we saw what we liked what we didn't like uh where we were when we got the new the news some might say the good news that's one of my uh on that note real, real, real quick story one of my friends who's black on twitter he was asleep uh and he woke up at like 12 and he was like, oh, I, I, I'm awake to all this celebration. And I was like, do you have time to hear the good news today, brother? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yes, 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 I do. And so, yeah, it was kind of a celebration in the social media sphere uh, on Saturday when we found out that Joe Biden will be the 46th president of the United States yes, um, after securing Pennsylvania uh, and a myriad of other states to get past the 270 electoral votes needed to become the next president of the United States. So Donald Trump will become a one-term president, the 45th president of the United States reign of some would say terror. I would co-sign that uh, is <laughs> over. Uh, before we get into more on that, let me introduce my fellow friends who, you know, from earlier in the week, Daniel Davidson is here. It is I. <laughs> That's ah. correct. Uh, Terrell Huff, Thespian Poppy himself, he is here. Indeed, sir. Hey, support the arts, as I always say, because we are the arts. We are the arts. And special guest star for the second episode in a row. He's, He's charging back. it up. He's charging it up. I'm going to hold him. I'm going to make him wait. I'm going to make him wait. It's Ed White, Trey Blanco himself. Pow, Yeah. We're still here, baby. Yes. We pow, pow, Donald Trump out that office, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hit him with that two-piece. And so let's just start at the beginning, fellas. Where what was what, let's what was going through your mind Tuesday when it was looking a, a little bleak for those who weren't prepared? I think even if you were prepared, it felt a little bleak. We knew that basically what was gonna happen is that because Donald Trump and his supporters were so gun ho about voting in person, that he was going to have, if you counted the in-person ballot first, he was gonna to appear to have a lead. 
um, even if he didn't ultimately win those states. If you counted the by mail ballot first, Joe Biden would appear to have a lead. Um, even if he didn't win those states. And so that actually happened in Texas and Ohio who counted their right. mail-in ballots first. Um, and so it looked like for a second that Joe Biden might've turned Texas uh, blue and that Ohio might've turned blue. In the end, it didn't happen. Uh, Donald Trump overcame him and actually won those states by a wide, mar- mar- wide margin. The opposite effect happened in some of the key battleground states, such as a Michigan, such as a Wisconsin, such as a Pennsylvania, such as who knew that this was uh, besides Stacey Abrams, who knew that this was a battleground state, but such Georgia? as Georgia. Um, and so what ended up happening is on Tuesday night, it looked like Donald Trump might just be the, might just get a second term in office. And then as the week slowly progressed, uh, his lead evaporated and Joe Biden ended up being the one to get past the 270 electoral march. So what was your feeling on Tuesday and, you know, just suppose that with your feeling on Saturday when you heard that uh, Joe Biden had actually overtaken him and was going to be the next president of the United States. And we'll start with Daniel. Uh, basically, it was about the same uh, four years ago when Hillary versus Trump, when he kind of assumed like, oh, this, this can't happen, right? The American won't let this happen, right? And then it ended up happening. You're like, oh, here we go again. You know, we, we were talking about the election for, for so long, you know, get out there and vote. Everybody go vote. Everybody voted early and still seemed like it wasn't enough, you know, um, for four years, we had the narrative of, you know, the silent majority. And we're like, is that really true? Is this how most of America feels in terms of how Donald Trump feels? And I mean, for that, you know, for Tuesday night, it kind of felt like that was kind of setting in um, the exasperation, uh, the, the fear was going to happen for another four years of this. And then, you know, slowly but surely it started to change because this is such an unprecedented election in terms of how people were voting. That no one was really, you know, knew how to had to prepare for it. Really, uh, we were told days prior that hey, it's gonna take a while to count all the stuff. It's gonna come in, but we're so used to having stuff so so much information immediately, or the votes kind of so quickly that it'd be over, you know, just the same day, the same night that it happened. So the way the way it developed, you know, it was a long week. It was drawn out by quite a bit. Um, Nevada did us no favors because I think they took like a day off at some point in time during the counting. I'm like, what the hell are y'all doing? So. Nevada Nevada with some big you will get these votes when you get these votes energy I think it's only to put on black no I was just gonna say some the the meme that hit me the hardest on uh, Nevada and we had a bunch of them of course was um I don't even know who the person was but, but basically they said Nevada you can stop look acting like you looking through your purse for some money We'll go ahead and pay for it with your broken apps. God, because everybody knows that person that's looking for their for their money when it comes time mm-hmm. to pay. And so I'm laughing because like that was the best one I saw. I saw so many about Nevada being that friend that claiming they on their way, but they actually in the shower or 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 all these other ones that I saw. But that one right there hit home more than anything when I saw that. I was die and laugh and I was like you gotta be kidding me because we all know that person I'll let Daniel get back to his point but real quick my favorite meme of the Nevada memes was uh, for any of you Sailor Moon fans the it was a, basically there was tuxedo yes. mask and, yes. he was, and he's like my work here is done tuxedo mask was nevada and then we were sailor moon and it's like but you didn't do anything and then tuxedo mask just whips away and i was just like uh-huh. and i was just like that is both so true because that's actually no, exactly what really nevada good. is doing and that's exactly what tuxedo mask does on that show it's like you are not a hero yeah, right. bro yeah <laughs> yeah man a couple of these got put on blast this year i think for this election because it kind of showed that they really weren't prepared i think 
most races, they don't really matter in terms of the grand scheme of things. So like, oh, we can kind of can chill do our own thing. And now they're like, oh, shit, everybody's looking at us right now. Like, uh, we don't really have much stuff in place. So I guess we'll get to it whenever we can. Um, but <laughs> like we, we, went, we don't have anything. Be, we weren't supposed yeah, to matter. Yeah, like, like, why, why are y'all waiting on now? us? Like, we always take forever. <laughs> y'all just never know because we only, only have six. Yeah. <laughs> we only have six electoral votes. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> so, yeah, so so that, <laughs> that whole spill. And then, I mean, we got to see something amazing in terms of, you know, Georgia. That turnout there, historical turnout. Yeah. Um, so many storylines happening on that. So it kind of went from being, you know, some dread starting out at the beginning of the week to, you know, just amazement and just, you know, relief and euphoria near the end of the week going forward. So, again, this is history in the making. You know, uh, glad we were a part of it, you know, being on the right side of history. And, yeah, whew, I'm just relieved. Terrell, go ahead, man. What, what were you feeling on Tuesday versus what were you feeling on Saturday? Yeah, it was in waves for me, man, because – um I, on Tuesday, it was basically like, okay, this is about how I expected this, this to be going, although I was really disappointed with Ohio. I just, for some reason, I just felt like Ohio was going to be all right as far as like the vote counting. And then, of course, like Daniel just said, it started out that way. And then, it, it, and then that actually was where I had kind of one of my, it was weird because it was like, Initially, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. This is how it should be. And then I saw Ohio and I was like, man, please don't do this again. It's same as Daniel was saying. But then as soon as I saw Ohio flip and it was like, yeah, Ohio's probably going to go to Trump. Somebody said something. It might have been John King or, or our hero or one of these other people uh, on CNN. But somebody said, yeah, but these states, it was Ohio and another state, they already counted their mail-in ballots. So then I started looking at geography and I started thinking about the fact that the mail-in ballots for the most part had been counted. And I thought, okay, our mail-in ballots had been counted for the most part in those states. And I thought, okay. So in other words, all these other states, including specifically Pennsylvania, because I remembered that they had talked about the fact that the GOP in that state had basically tried to gum up the works by basically saying, yeah, you guys can't even start counting these ballots until after the polls closed, where there were other states that started counting the ballots days prior. Uh, so when I started hearing the stories, and, and I think this is an area where, and, and the media gets bashed here and there for a lot of different reasons, but this is one of the areas where I felt like CNN did probably one of the better jobs of breaking down the reason why we were seeing what we were seeing. Now, mind you, they were doing it because a lot of people were already jumping on them and as far as like, why are you dudes take, why are y'all taking so long to call stuff? Why are you taking so long to call this state, that state, that state? And I, I joked, although not fully joking, I joked that, yeah, they've been getting that smoke from Trump for four years, five years. Fake news, this, this, that, the other thing. They've been getting that smoke for four or five years now. The last thing they want to do is prematurely call something. So that's how mm -hmm. I was envisioning it in my head was like, oh, they're just being safe because they don't want to get embarrassed because honestly, I felt like in 2016, I can remember Corey Lewandowski sitting on one of those panels and he literally going short of saying, oh, y'all can suck my you know what, ha ha ha, look where we are now. That's basically what he did. He, he legit, he was sitting next to like Van Jones and he practically stood up and, 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 and 
shoved Van Jones' face in his crotch. Like, I mean, this dude was like, you know, and they didn't want to see that again. So if, so initially I felt like they were just being safe, but then as they started explaining and breaking down and the idea that, hey, guess what? Trump told all his people to go to the, go to the uh, polls, do not vote by mail. So the vast majority of them did not. The only thing, and then this is where the roller coaster went back sort of down again, was you didn't know how many of them actually listened to him. But then they started playing the little stories here and there. Trump supporters talking about how if he said to do something, they were going to do it. And then I realized how horrified I was when I realized how strong his influence was on certain pockets of the country. And I thought to myself, Mm -hmm. these people listened to him. They did not vote by mail. They refused to. So these areas where we're seeing him with a lead, this is going to change. And sure enough, Pennsylvania was probably the starkest example of it because it went from zero to 100 in Pennsylvania over that three or four or five day period. And, and it's kind of an oxymoron because I'm saying it went from zero to 100, even though it felt like it took forever for us. But it really did because you consider the fact that you, you go down from nine or 10 points to up by, you know, what's going to probably end up being 50, 60, 70, 80,000 votes. So it, it, that part kind of made me feel like, okay, awesome. Yeah, this, this okay we'll see what happens. This, this is going to work out. So probably by about Wednesday, I was good. But Tuesday night, man, I was like, this is not going to happen again. This is not what this can't. I was ready to resign myself to that. This is the country that we live in at this point. Um, and I was just like, it is what it is. But um, yeah, it, it, it was um, it, it was just crazy. Um, uh, um, Georgia just blew me away um, because I think it just today they went over uh, almost 11,000 votes he's up uh, Biden's up now so even though they're, they're going to have their recount or whatever but still so the the range of emotions was all over the place because again it went from that Tuesday night and, and I and I really feel like this was the reason he came out uh, Trump came out at like two o'clock in the morning and basically declared victory when nowhere near was this thing over it almost felt like he was trying to get back the feeling that he had the last in 2016. So he just said, I'm going to come out and I'm going to say what I got to say. And it's like, that was a stark contrast for me because this is what we've always said about Trump. He doesn't understand the transactional lifestyle that he lived before he became a politician. He can't reconcile those two. He can't understand that you can't just speak, quote unquote, speak something to it in it, uh, speak it into existence when it comes to being president and being elected by, you know, the Electoral College. You can't just speak that into it into existence. He's used to talking to people and saying, hey, this is what we're trying to do that, 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 bam, 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 we're going to break this, let's just do And you speak it to an existence. And that's fine when you're a quote unquote salesman, but you can't do that with, when it comes to being president. And he tried it and it didn't work because it's just crazy to me that how all these states just kind of popped up and it all came down, not just, you know, obviously we know it came down to black voters and, and you know, we, we know that, but it came down to something that he did himself. He told his people to go vote at the polls. Don't trust mail. And they didn't, they took their butts to the poll, just like everybody else. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine, but he did it because the goal was we're going to say all the mail votes are illegal. So you go vote at the poll because then that way you know that your vote, your vote will never be overturned or anything. Then I'm going to sue. 
But the problem is, is all these states that he planned on doing that in, even the ones with GOP leadership said, yeah, we're going to put a few things in place here so that if he does try that, it's not going to work. Pennsylvania showed you the way because what Pennsylvania did was they took all the votes that even though they were sent prior that came in after the ballots closed, they took every last one of them, probably eight or 10,000 or more votes. They put them all aside and said, we ain't even going to count these. They went. To, they mm-hmm. had a Supreme Court come out and say some nonsense. Alito came out and said some nonsense that didn't really matter because they had already set the votes aside. But they set them aside, and then he got beat. So now it makes no sense for him to file all these lawsuits and do all this stuff. He may still try. But the point is, is the, the range of emotions, because I started seeing everything that he had done over the last four or five months all seemed to be playing out. And it all seemed like it was going to all go the way that he planned for it to go until you saw what the states were doing to prevent it from happening. All these states didn't want to be embarrassed by a lawsuit. And then some sort of issue came up where it was determined that all those voters were going to be disenfranchised by no fault of their own. No state wanted a part of that. And I think that's where we saw the limit of Trumpism. I think we all saw his limits right there because no state wanted to be embarrassed on behalf of him. And, and that, that, that was just, you know, I was all over the place over the last few days. Yeah, I mean, because if there is fraud in the state, then that falls on the leaders of that state. It didn't fall right. on, you know, just the, the Democrats. It falls on the Republicans as well. So they're like, yeah, no, we're not going <laughs> to allow fraud or go with what you're saying because then I'm going to be out of office too because it's on my watch that it happened. Right. That's why I think that's what he's kind of missing. It's like, no, it's like it's more than just you. It's our lives, livelihood as well. Uh, so let's let Ed get in here, uh, the last of us, to say, so what were the, the gamut, of us. what were the gamut of emotions for you, sir, going from Tuesday to, to Saturday? Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday was a very, it was a nervous night for me. I think that's the latest I ever stood up as far as, minus the Obama uh, first election uh, in 2008, minus that one. But, like, I was nervous only because at the, at the original mindset of it i didn't understand like what was happening i was like i really thought i was one of the ones going to be a, the blue wave i, I actually believed that it was going to happen but when i noticed that it wasn't happening i was like this this is weird <laughs> like this is this is not this is not something that i expected so i was really paying attention to it and i really uh, got to give kudos to the cnn crew for really explaining and breaking it down the way they did uh, i think they're probably one of the only networks that should break it down the way they did um if it yeah. was for that i was able to sleep at well Tuesday night because of the explanations that they explained and so the way they explained it and so I knew that uh, I, I knew that Trump was going to get the the, the 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 rural areas I knew that he, like I knew that was going to go to him so that's why like when Texas was blue I was like for a little while I was like alright that's going to turn red uh, because there's too many rural areas in Texas <laughs> and so yeah. like the, so but I was really uh, when it came down to it because we all thought Ohio would be the flip state and we, the main state originally then it turned to being um Pennsylvania, yeah, Virginia, the Wisconsin, Michigan area. Now, I mean, Arizona was there. so like it was. There was it was so many so much going on is that it was crazy. But like um, the the Wednesday to the Thursday when um, Wisconsin and Michigan flipped, that's when I really got really pumped up. I was like, all right, we we we're gonna do this. Like it is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, real I, quick, real quick, Ed, real quick. You yep. said Virginia, and I'm sorry. I went, whoa, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> we, you said Virginia, and, and and real quick because I did forget about that. I think Virginia was the moment that I knew that everything was going to be cool, 
because Virginia did kind of look like Ohio was looking. And I was like, how is he winning Virginia? Like, that don't make no sense to me. And then when Virginia went completely topsy-turvy, I was like, okay. And then that's when it really sunk in. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, man. You're good. And so, like, uh, I wasn't – so, like, many people were saying, like, uh, Biden has to flip Florida in order for this to happen. I was like, I wasn't reliant on Florida only because – I've seen so much of Florida, like, and it doesn't look like it's going to turn. So I was like, I wasn't Florida, Florida man, it's real. <laughs> so I wasn't like, that's red. It ain't going to turn. <laughs> but like, really, like that, 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 uh, some belt se- section is like, that's where it really, really depended on. And so, like, coming in, and it went Georgia flip, man. Like, that's what, like, the emotions there when Georgia flip was like amazing to me because, yeah. um, you, you just, you see the way the, the turn of the tide mm-hmm. of this new generation of voters. And that's really yeah. what turned this election is that there's a new generation and it's our generation, but we are the new generation of voters, which is weird to say that us in our thirties, thirties, forties time frame, And so right. like, but we are the new generation of voters that it, it's our impact on this, on, on the administrations where who are our votes decides how we go lead going forward and so that's what really got me excited and then um the can i talk about the uh the the saturday or can i talk about saturday I can talk yeah about saturday. yeah you can talk okay. about saturday yeah. so, <laughs> so 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 saturday it, um, no silence so when, we're not there so, yet <laughs> I heard the news from you, Dr. Like you, you're the first one to release it um, before any. Because after after that, I after my confidence was said, I was like, all right, Dr. gonna be my reporter from now on, and uh, and I just look at Jake Taper's Twitter. So, but um, like you, you gave me the broke, you broke the news to me, and I I fact checked. I was like, all right, let's see who, let's, let's make sure it happened. And when I, when I saw it, I uh, told my wife, I was like, hey. Donald Trump's president. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, John, Joe Whoa, Biden's hey, president. Hey. Yeah, I know. I misspoke. <laughs> Joe Biden's hey, president. Hey. And she was like, really? And she, I was like, yeah, go look. And she's like, oh, my God, Joe Biden's president. So I immediately, <laughs> uh, I called my mom. I was like, hey, congratulations. You have a female, you have a woman vice president. And she's like, yeah. no way. I was like, well, how do you not know? Go to go yeah. look. And so after I called her, I called my grand, my grand, my grandma's, my grand, grand, my grandma. And okay. so I had a conversation with them. And so, um, Speaking to them was when I really got emotional because they just because because of their age and stuff they lived through is um uh, one of my grand grand she's an AKA so that's like her sorrow and oh, her, wow. my grand made his name is Harris and so it's like yeah. she's a Harris too so like it's oh, wow. it like so like the connection there speaking to them the, the struggles that because my grand kind of went through like a little struggles that she'd gone through like I mean we all know about women's voting rights and then black voting rights so we all know about that and she experienced that from uh, all the experience of the civil rights movements and then seeing Barack Obama and then now seeing Kamala Harris as the vice sure. president man like I that's when I got flooded with emotion i even got teared i talking to him was like man like my grandparents seen so much in less than a century Mm. right and it's so much in less than two decades at this moment and so like it's it's crazy how um it's exciting moment i'm excited for this country going forward i mean there's still work to be done um there's still i mean bipartisanism you took my line, Ed. That's my line. I say that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I was like, there's still, and there's still a lot of work to be done. I mean, it's not, I mean, um, many people thought Joe Biden was the lesser of two evils. And so, and, and so that's, that he still has a lot of work to do um, to get the confidence as far as like police, police reform, uh, equality, 
uh, healthcare. There's so many stuff. And yeah. I mean, we still got Corona to deal with too. And so yeah. like, we still got that to deal with. And when it comes to, when it comes to like the voting counts and accounts like that, um, the stimulus package was supposed to assist in the counting of these votes. So the fact that that never passed uh, also kind of held a part to the voting, the accounts going on. But the flood of the amount of people that actually voted this year is what I excited about. You know, granted, yeah. seventy million of them voted the wrong way, but um, the fact that we had each each side of the president had over seventy million votes right. is exciting. The participation in the voting um, this this year is, I mean, you hope that it continues to go that way, and right. he hopes that this continues to grow. So, like, there's still some. There's where I want to find the light in this. Uh, there's another light with this darkness that, that's going into this. Um, there's another light with this other light as far as the election is that we do have our generation being more active and participating participating in these elections. And, and so unfortunately, it took so much for this to happen, yeah. but it happened, and we're here now. We just got to make sure that it continues to happen. And what what are we going to do next with this? And that's that's my there you go. Y'all have already talked about so much about this election uh, that I wanted to get into and we can still break some of it down because obviously I'll just touch on it in passing. Uh, but for me, um, I guess I wasn't prepared for just how much nervous energy I was going to have this week. Um, I think I think I can speak to a lot of what we've all been feeling is that we had a lot of PTSD from 2016. And so, and so as we were seeing what was unfolding on Tuesday, that all felt very 2016-ish. So no matter really what you did or what you thought or what they told you, it was going to feel so PTSD-ish that all that was going to uh, was going to go down again. Like, oh my God, this man's gonna steal the presidency again. Not that he he stole it because he he got the votes last time. Let's like let, I don't want to be him. He got the votes to be president in 2016. You know, right. through gerrymandered districting and voter turnout and stuff. But he got the votes. That's what happened um, this year on on Tuesday it felt like that and I was it was hilarious because I was at work when the election coverage quote-unquote started so I missed Florida I missed Texas I missed Ohio when I came home Ohio was red um I if you follow me on Twitter or uh, on Facebook you know that I literally made a post about how I left work early um because <laughs> they were playing Fox News what's, in the what's your what's your Twitter handle sir uh, uh, dr Lewis book it sir thank you thank you for that yes um and so if you if you uh if you follow me there you know I left work early because you know they were playing Fox News in the break room I was like you know what <laughs> might be time to get on out of here um i so i i went home i ended up kind of being salty that i i left that hour of work on the table because nothing really happened that night mm -hmm. but i agree with ed uh in terms of cnn most news outlets um even fox news until the end they kind of bungled it at the end but even fox news at first was uh was handling this with the dignity that an election like this deserved um they didn't they weren't they didn't uh, play into uh, Donald Trump's hands at all. They didn't make it seem like he was going to win the election that night, which they very much could have done if, if they were in, in, a, in different terrible hands. Um, they didn't play into what he tried to set up at all. And neither did, as y'all pointed out, neither did the states. The states, the bipartisan volunteer work and, and bipartisan support from the parties on handling this election, that's encouraging. Um, whether 
whether you're Democrat, Republican, to see when it came, when the chips were down and democracy was on the line, to see everybody kind of come together from your news organizations to your political processes to, to the voting, the voter turnout being as great as it was, to see all that, that makes you really hopeful. Uh, and so overall, that's where I felt at the end of it. But on Tuesday, I went to sleep and I was just like, because I had the day off on Wednesday, I was like, what is, what is happening in America? Like, in some ways, I, I knew that the election wasn't over, but it's still kind of hard to see the forest for the trees when you see so many red states up there and then um when virginia turned blue i I don't remember what night that was it might have been at the end of tuesday night i don't remember but when virginia turned blue i was like all right i see a way but i'm still i'm still seeing michigan and i'm still seeing uh wisconsin as 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 red and so i'm like i if he loses those it's over the election's over if he loses those two states that'll be it and so on, on Wednesday, as every as my my colleagues here know, I because they're in the same group chat as me, I basically became the reporter, quote unquote, on the streets for them and giving them updates. And that's just because I had so much nervous energy. I had to put it somewhere into doing something. I like this election, like somehow revived my social media career because I had basically been off Twitter for a year. And now I'm kind of active on Twitter again, just because that's I was doing the same thing on Twitter, hitting up friends like the community that was kind of built as I, you know, Ed knows this. He was kind of my late night CNN guy as we were watching Don Lemon and Chris Como. And like, that was actually fun. Like, I'm not going to probably watch CNN anymore, but like during the election, <laughs> that was a fun time, honestly. And so yeah. as Virginia, as those states uh, began to flip, I began to loosen up and feel more confident. And then it just became, hey, I'm watching the political process unfold. And this is actually kind of exciting. I'm learning new things. I'm learning how elections are managed, how voting works. I'm learning why they call states the way they do, because a lot of it feels like they just are like, oh, the state's being called because we say so. But it's actually a process that, uh, a criteria that has to meet. I did think that they were extra stringent this year with how they, with the with how much they were willing to go out on a limb i do think in a different set of circumstances they would have called this election a little earlier but this one necessitated that they be a little extra careful and so i think that's why we got all the way to saturday i think in a different world we maybe get thursday friday but yeah according to them it's always kind of the same process and i'm not gonna push too much back against that but it did feel like they were being extra careful and so as well, we got I mean, to fri- yeah. as we got to thursday and friday I'm now cracking memes and I'm making other people nervous, right? Because I'm like, Wisconsin, like I did the uh, whole uh, office meme where, you know, they have the same picture and they, and they show it to Michael Scott. And then she's like, they're the same picture. I, I did that with Wyoming because Wyoming and, uh, and Michigan had already turned blue. And then I, before Pennsylvania and Georgia actually did turn blue, I made that meme and I put it out there. And everyone was like, what are you doing? You're going to jinx it. And I was just like, I don't know, man. I'm feeling pretty confident right now. I think, I think this is, is kind of in the bag. And so I, I kind of just joined in the memeing of the election at that point on Friday. And then on Saturday, going into probably Friday into Saturday, we kind of knew at that point the election was over. It was just about seeing it play out um seeing if there was going to be some random monkey wrench that no one could foresee but based on math and what everyone was saying and based on the fact that even some organizations had called even arizona already which Mm -hmm. usually that's not a good sign for your for you winning a state as if a news organization is at least willing to call it um and so we kind of knew by by at least probably on thursday is when it started but at least by friday night we were like all right this is going to end 
we just got to wait for it to end because we have so much PTSD from last time. And then on Saturday, just to see everyone, even people like I, I posted this on, on Facebook, even people like me who are like, Oh, I got to vote for Joe Biden. Okay. But I'm not happy about it. Like I literally posted Same. that. The <laughs> I posted that the Same. night Joe Biden became the pre uh, the uh, democratic nominee. It's like, all right, I'm gonna do it, but I'm not happy. And even those people, we were all just kind of celebrating whether it be in the streets, whether it be in our small groups, whether it be in our homes, to see that kind of outpouring of just togetherness and to just kind of revel in it together, that was a special moment. Um, to hear the things like Ed getting to talk to his family about it and how that how much it meant to them, to mm -hmm. see some of my um, bl black female friends just revelatory in the fact that they have a vice president that looks like them, Ooh. that they can tell their daughters that they have a vice president that looks like them, to see those moments all play out was just unequivocally special, undeniably special. Um, and it was just fun to just kind of like, I went to work and I was tired, but I had a, I had a pep in my step because I was just like, man, everyone's in a good mood right now. And you know, right. not everyone, but everyone I care about is in a good right. mood right now. <laughs> make sure you put that, make sure you put that on it. Everybody I give a damn about was happy. It was happy. Um, I did want to want to piggyback real quick, man, because um, this is what this all says about me. Because this was about representation. You just talked about Kamala Harris, and you know, I have a little black daughter, and I, I know obviously, you know, all the black women that I know to have a vice president that looks like them, and also someone that could eventually be the president look like them. And this is the crazy part for me is that representation is it, it it's not all we as people of color want or even members of the lgbtq community it, as people representation is that important and the fact that we have a government that for some reason seems to not be able after decades to figure that out how how powerful representation is even when they themselves all these rich white guy, old white guys, they, that's their thing. They, they, what, what do they, why do we, we talk about like these corporations? What do they do? They, they're run by rich white guys and they want to see other old rich white guys with them. So people talk about why a lot of black women aren't moving up the corporate ladder or a lot of, you know, people of color in general aren't moving up the corporate ladder the way they should because these companies are being run by, you know, old white men or rich white guys that want people that look like them up there with them. So they know how much they like representation. They know how much they like to see people that look like them. So the fact that they couldn't figure out all these years that that, and maybe they did and they just didn't give a crap, which is probably what happened. But it's crazy to me that at no point is it, is it like, is anybody sitting there looking like, wait a minute, you know, if, if these people want to be represented and they're part of this country, how about we stop impeding their rights to vote? How about we stop, you know, using the legal system to treat them like trash and keep them out of positions of, you know, to better themselves? Like, how about we stop doing that? And, you know, those seven, 70 million plus, plus million people that voted for Donald Trump still feel that way. They still feel like we, we should not have, you know, black folks, women and so on and so on should not have that representation. And so it's just crazy to me because I'm oversimplifying it, but it just sucks that, you know, when you talk about the fact that you just want to be represented, you want black women to see people that look like them in positions of power more. And it's like, you know, you're fighting against that. 
you're upset about that right now. There's literally Trumpsters out there that are upset about this. And it just annoys the crap out of me, man. I don't understand that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if I interrupted you, Derek. I didn't know if you were done. It's just that I, I, yeah, didn't, well, I, mean, I, I didn't, didn't want to let that, that moment pass because you, you talked about representation for Black women like that. And I really felt like that was just something that I needed to get out because it annoys me that representation is not hard. You have too many qualified people, men, women, members of different marginalized communities. You have too many of them out there that are qualified and more than capable to do really great things in this country. And we just don't want to give them the representation that they need in order to better this country. We don't want to do it because they look a certain way or because they, you know, love a certain way. It's stupid, man. It's stupid. <laughs> and we still fall, and we Terrell, we're still falling short on representation. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though yeah. like Kamala Harris is, is the vice president, man, that's great. But right. I mean, we talk about Congress, uh, we talk about the House, we talk about at locals at the local level, there's still some misrepresentation out there in yep. government. And so and though and this this year, like we saw, uh we see our first trans uh I, I want to say senator. Is that correct? Yep. We saw our, we see uh, our first trans con congressman, congressman. State congressman. State congressman. State congressman. Yeah, congressman. Yeah. Yeah. So we see our first trans congressman, congresswoman. And so like that's a step forward and so um but there's still misrepresentation like there's still the the african-american aspect in the house and the senate is still low and not even at the not at the federal level also at the local level so there's still some opportunities right. left for representation to be there and and th but this we can't i can't discount for the fact that you're taking a step forward as towards the future of our representation if we continue to pro progress this way. And so and that's one thing with the Joe Biden administration that you that you hope and that is part of his platform is that we're taking that step forward with with representing everybody. And I and which he we won't saw, be an impediment. He, yeah, he, he, won't, won't. he won't impede it. And, and yeah, I think that that could be as important as anything is that I think we get back sort of on the track that we were with Barack Obama. Yep. which was, hey, I want, I want Native Americans, I want, you know, Southeast Asianers, I want, I want Asian people, I want, you know, Black people, I want members of the LGBT. He, he was, he really, really, there was an effort, and not in a token sort of way, there was an effort to understand and, and, and have representation from all parties in that White House. And we went completely the opposite direction this last four years. So if you could just get back on the track of that, you probably are making, you know, you're making a step in the right direction. So we have a, we have a lot to talk about. Um, and I, I, I guess let's start, let's start there to, since we're on the subject of Joe Biden. Um, I'll start it off with just saying I've had somewhat of a come to Jesus moment on uh, the democratic, the vo democratic voters making Joe Biden, the democratic nominee. I was pretty upset about it. I'm still, you know, I still think if I, I I made a whole post about this, I still think if I had my druthers, I'd, I'd still undo it and, and take the shot with Bernie or Elizabeth Warren or honestly, probably almost anyone else. But I can't deny that black voters largely turned this election around for Joe Biden in the primary. And they largely did so on the idea of, I think, um, an idea of that, who will these white people vote this other white man out of office for? Um, there was a bet that Joe Biden was the right candidate simply because he could beat Donald Trump. And I can't deny that that's played out unequivocally. Donald Trump's been off his game. 
all election cycle because he simply cannot call Joe Biden a radical and it stick. He right. could call Bernie Sanders a radical and it could it could somewhat stick. We 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 know that's not necessarily the case, but middle the the people who needed to vote Donald Trump out of office would probably not you know, bat an eye at him calling Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren a, a, a radical leftist. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was one. Two is that, frankly, we needed the libertarian and moderate Republicans to defect in some way to get Donald Trump out of office. Right. And that's not going to happen if Bernie Sanders is there. Um, and then also, like I said, uh, white people <laughs> needed someone who they were going to vote for. And I'm not sure if they were going to vote for Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders. And so J- Joe Biden, by effectively by being moderate, even though he has a pretty liberal platform in terms of this is technically the most liberal platform that the Democratic Party has ever put out. He's still known as moderate Joe. He's still known as the dude who can kind of work both sides of the aisle. And that all serves him in giving Republic. Uh, Republicans, libertarians cover to vote for him. Um, And so while I still don't like it, I can't deny that he seems to be the right man for this moment. And I did underestimate Joe Biden has, and and he's older and it's easy to make fun of him. And it's easy to kind of think that he's out of touch. And some of that's true. Um, And he does have a lot of political stuff in his background some mm-hmm. political sins that he has to pay for and sure. held him accountable for it. But I, I had forgotten and I hadn't put a lot of stock in just the authentic empathy that he can put out to the American people. Um, I think Ed touched, uh, touched on it. He's a truly empathetic guy. I mean, right. he, he, he exudes that if nothing yeah. else. And that that's something that's important. I think it's one of the reasons he was able to quail the the uh, rural uprising that we saw from 2016 right. is because mm-hmm. those voters look at him and they see someone who actually might listen to them right. um and as much as we think that donald trump doesn't listen to us and we are correct the rural voter thinks that the average liberal doesn't listen to them and in some ways they're correct about that and right. so joe biden being able to bridge that gap at just the right time uh, because we were on the doorstep of disaster and there's so much like we like i said there's so much work to do um, I had to take a step back and say, you know, I, I, it's funny because it's another opposite reaction from 2016. Um, for me, anyway, I said in 2016, Hillary Clinton wasn't going to get elected. And slowly as the months went on, I, I softened on that. And I was like, oh, no, she will get elected. And then the, the immediate kind of feeling that I had when she didn't get elected was I told all of you this and you didn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. And this, this yeah. year I was like, Joe Biden, I literally have a state of status that's up somewhere that says Joe Biden will never be president of the United States. And I am so happy to be wrong about that. Yeah. But, you know, that also goes into my PTSD from last time was like, I was like, it's going to happen again. I'm going to have called this and then soften on it. And then it's going to happen again. And instead, it's me, you know, kind of the opposite, eating, eating some crow in some regards and not really seeing all the avenues. Um, yeah. And so that's where I started on Joe Biden. How do you guys feel about the Joe Biden election? Uh, from a Joe Biden perspective, we've kind of been very heavy Donald Trump so far because he's I've a... gripped I, I just have like a a vice grip <laughs> on the fact of what you said which is his empathy um and his willingness to listen to people's grievances um and because of the fact that this is not new he he didn't come onto the scene and somebody says wow you know he's an interesting guy and he's very empathetic no people knew this about him for decades um someone was saying the other day if there if there is anyone that would be able to 
at least have a somewhat working relationship with Mitch McConnell, it's him. And as much as we hate, you know, to talk, you know, Mitch McConnell and you, the, the, the idea that he is this horrible, horrible obstructionist when it comes to anything that doesn't, you know, do anything for his party. Um, and that would be true. Um, he's worked with Mitch McConnell in the past before. And that's truly important because he's going to have to do it again, at least for a while. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with Ossoff and um, Warnock in, um, in Georgia. But that being said, at, for the time being, the idea is that he's going to have, there's going to have to be somebody that can at least somewhat work with this Senate. And when you consider that those numbers could very well be a little bit, you know, the numbers could not, they won't be quite as, as in favor of the Republicans as they used to be. That's something to, to grasp on through uh, too. So his empathy, um, his ability to relate to people, even people that maybe don't typically agree with him. I think the fact that you know every you know a lot about you know a lot of us have talked about the fact that we voted for him somewhat begrudging, begrudging, begrudgingly because you know he wasn't our first choice. Um, you know all those things come into play. You never lost sight of the fact that he was just this decent. And I'm, I'm, I'm not using my word. That's unfortunately the word that's been thrown around about him by pretty much everyone that talks about him in a favorable way. Um, he's this decent, kind person that's been through so many things and you just sort you know, personally himself. And so you just sort of see him as that, you know, lovable sort of person that you are not necessarily angry that he won if you're a Democrat and, or you're a liberal and you're wanting a, a change over what we've seen the last four years, you're not angry that he won. Um, you're more disappointed about the person that maybe was your first choice um, not winning or not getting to the point where they could be in a position to, to, to actually run for, for the office so, or you know, uh, run against Donald Trump. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I'm skeptical if anything um, about his ability to be able to get anything done, not by any fault of his own. Because again, I just talked about the fact that the guy has been able to work with people that are on the other side of the aisle, but not as the president. And that's where my skepticism comes from is that as president, I think it's gonna be a little bit tougher than him just talking to somebody across the aisle, like, hey man, let's get together and do something on this. Because now he's got this title and this position that sort of makes him more of an enemy to people like, uh, Mitch McConnell. Um, and then when you consider the fact that there are seven, 70 million people that are not going to be willing, you know, to, you know, and, and, and not only that, but 70 million people that want to make someone pay. And two years from now, when there are going to be, you know, more Senate elections and, 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 and more seats up for grabs, um, you're going to have a situation where those people are really unfortunately going to kind of dictate what a guy like Mitch McConnell is willing to do. Um, if, if, the, if, if it's just all razor blades and lemonades for the, for the next you know, two years, and these people are just completely unwilling to budge, and they're still holding on to this nonsense that Trump should still be president, then I, I hate to say it, but I don't know how much we're going to be able to get out of a Biden presidency, because you're going to have a situation where Mitch McConnell is going to say, well, I got 70 million plus people that don't give a crap what you're talking about. And I know we worked together in the past, but nah, I'll, 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 I'll worry about these 70 million people, because let's not let's remember something. Uh, Donald Trump could easily try to run again for president in four years. He's already people have already alluded to it. 
And when you have that kind of a following and a kind of a backing at this point, it's really just about Joe Biden trying to win whatever battles he can. Um, he's already talked about the fact that he's going to have some, some executive orders, that he's going to get rid of some of the nonsense that's happened over the last four years, probably going to get back into the Paris Climate Accord, probably going to get back into the, um, uh, the World Health Organization and get back involved with that. Probably going to, um, you know, we're going to be able to get rid of this ridiculous, stupid uh, Muslim travel ban, which they tried a million times and finally got a, a, a sort of, they limped home with a BS version of that. So he's going to be able to get rid of that. Um, DACA is going to be able to get back right again and at least get on a hopefully get on a path to where we can really you know negotiate to get these you know these young people you know an opportunity that are already you know that are already contributing to this country on a you know a really high level to keep them you know here and not have to worry and not have them having to worry about getting deported to a country they've never been to before in many cases or don't remember so um, mm -hmm. he's got some things he's going to be able to do right off the jump um, that are going to be helpful and that are going to kind of get some areas back to a status quo. And that's good, but he's not going to get credit for that, um, realistically speaking. And so I think that's where you're going to have, you know, sort of the, okay, now what are you going to do kind of attitude from a lot of people? And he's not going to have a lot of time. Uh, we're going to be back in an election cycle real quick here. So, um, you know, as much as I'm, I'm happy for the overall situation, um, I can't say that I'm just, you know, over the moon about a Biden presidency just from a standpoint of, you know, what he's got to deal with over the next four years. Yeah. And I mean, Biden is going to have one of the toughest, probably one of the toughest administrations that you could probably imagine right now uh, due to the fact of the Trump following. And so if he's not able. So it really, really falls on those uh, Republican senators and congressmen who who really didn't believe in trump or didn't really like 100 agree with him like it really takes th their voices to really turn the tide and, and that would stop a trump re-election re-election in four years from now that would make this uh that will make uh this four years be a bipartisan united prog progress moving forward type of thing and so like you know, i mean like i think i said earlier like, trump, uh, biden has a lot of work that he has to do um yeah. and like uh, President Obama credited Biden and his administration of being uh, helping with the bipartisanism in the Congress and the House and all that. And so you hope that he's able to do the same thing again. Um, and it really also calls on the Democratic side, too, to really be able to listen to the Republican side and, yeah. and vice versa. And so it takes a it is going to be a lot of work. And Biden is not going to be easy. Um, but. I mean, he's he's definitely going to add some years onto his age with, with this work that he has to do. But I mean, I think. I th it's possible, and I think he's probably. And I, when I voted for Biden at the, at the during the primary, I was like, if anyone had to do it, I think Joe Biden would be the one to do it. So that's why he had got my vote um, over the Elizabeth Warrens and the Bernie Sanders and um and and so on and so forth forth because I was like. If anyone and it always I, there was a joke during the primary it was like Biden's always say, well, I already did it before. I can do it again type of thing. It's like there's evidence for him to do it. And so that's that's part of the reason why I get, he got my vote in the primary. And obviously the reason why he got my vote right now is because I think he's the one to actually mend the hurt in this uh, in Ed, this country. Ed's an establishment Democrat. I see. I see. Okay. I'm, not, <laughs> so Ed, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not. I definitely don't have. I, I definitely float on both sides when it comes to like uh, viewpoints and stuff like that. And so, but I always look at 
when it comes to who do I side with most on their personal beliefs and their beliefs. And so, all right. Obviously, I sided more <laughs> with Joe Biden in, yeah. in, his, in his beliefs. And I really just wanted to move freaking forward, man. <laughs> like, like, let's get, yeah. let's not go backwards anymore. I'm tired. Like, we're supposed to, we're supposed to lead the world in, 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 in everything. But yeah. we, we go back with Donald Trump and like, we were the joke for the past four years, a joke for the past four years, man. And like, it's ridiculous. Donald Trump really out, really. Almost, and some would say completely outdid, like undone everything what the Obama administration did for eight years. And a great eight years of being a, of, of a nation, and it just got destroyed in four due to the fact that everyone wanted something different. They wanted a new look. They wanted to, to clear the, uh, clean the swamp and it was like, all that. It's like, drain the swamp. It's like, uh, you don't drain the swamp with a reality TV dude. <laughs> so like, that's what that's, it's just, that's just my opinion of it. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to where, where we are going. I'm hopeful as well. I would say hopeful more than excited. I'm more hopeful than um, for where we are going with the Biden administration. Yeah, I mean, for me, starting out, um, you know, Biden wasn't my first pick when it came to the primaries. Um, but, you know, once the dust had settled after that and he had been chosen, I kind of took a step back and kind of saw, I guess, what the Democratic Party was kind of planning, I guess, what they saw for the landscape going forward. And what it really is, is that you can't really battle one extreme with another extreme if you actually want to get your person in office. And that's kind of what it is for, you know, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. They were viewed anyway, viewed by the general public as being extreme to the left, right. while, you know, Donald Trump sets himself as extreme to the right. So they kind of saw that Joe Biden was enough in the middle when compared to Trump that, that he would be able to yeah, be able to win over some more people already on Trump's side. And that's kind of how it played out, too. Um, but like most of you have already touched on, you know, seeing how the voting played out for the popular vote, um, so many people still voting for Trump overall. Um, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, obviously, there's some type of disconnect in terms of how the Republicans feel about the Democrats, or maybe they feel like they're not being heard or something. The fact that they would still vote for him, you know, in such high numbers, because I have a hard time thinking that they're voting for him because they support racism, because they support xenophobia, um, you know, mistreating women. I don't think most of the people that voted for him support that, but something in their mind that they support that they think Donald Trump and the Republican Party can give them that the Democrats can't or won't, or they feel like maybe they're not being heard by the Democrats on something that they're looking for. So Democrats have to kind of focus on trying to identify what that is and seeing if they can, you know, help them with that in some sense um, in terms of, you know, whatever it might be. Because I know a lot of times in the last show, we had said that, you know, if you're a Republican and vote for Trump, you know, kind of fuck you. But in my sense, though, you can't really look at it that way. If you do want to, at some point in the future, unite America again, you have to identify what is this disconnect that's going on that they feel that, you know, given this man who's done so many terrible things, lied so much, gone back on his word so many times, you would still vote for him no matter what. What's going on to make you feel like that's your only recourse of doing that? And I think that's what we're missing when we kind of, when it comes to Republicans or Trump supporters or whatever. We don't really try to identify what it is that they like about that party or about him. And we kind of just focus on this is Trump and you support him. So you must be Trump. I really don't think that's the case. Um, so hopefully over these next four years, you know, um, Joe and Kamala kind of, kind of can move towards that direction in terms of trying to bring us all together and identifying what the major differences are. Mm -hmm. And if that is the case, then I don't see, you know, another Trump type candidate coming up 
part for quite a long time, just because I think a lot of people really did enjoy him being in charge, but some of the stuff he did in terms of policies, maybe they were for, but for the way he was acting, you know, with that position, I, I have to just assume most people in America, or even around the world, you know, don't want another repeat of that. Um, so that's why I don't think you'll kind of see that popping up again. So for, for Joe Biden going forward in terms of what he can do for the country, I think he can do quite a bit of good, kind of getting stuff back to, I guess, what we thought was our norm before in terms of how the that position should act, you know, in terms of decorum, um, some of our policies that we have to have enacted, you know, in terms of uh, global warming or in terms of just, you know, just the environment in general, like, like just normal stuff, kind of get that back enacted too, because once that gets in line and if they can show that even with a Democrat in office, you know, the country can still run well, we still can be profitable and make money, they might open up more to kind of saying, okay, what else can y'all do? What else can we kind of uh, go on that track as well? Mm -hmm. uh, because right now, of course, right after the election, people are going to be, you know, very emotional. I'm sure we would have been if it had been the other way around. So they're, they're saying, you know, never, never Joe Biden, you know, forget him, Trump in four years again, yada, yada, yada. Um, I just can't see Trump running again because being president takes a lot out of you. Um, he's already and he you know, didn't want the job plus. in the first place, by the way. Exactly, he didn't want he didn't want it in the first place. You could tell he, he didn't enjoy doing the job, yeah. so I, I can't but see him kind of like four years. They are, they are, but I just kind of see him kind of fading into the background sure. if he doesn't end up going to jail or something, you know. And kind of <laughs> once, he's going to be four years older too, so that's a lot to ask right. out of someone that age to kind of try to take on that task of running again and. I'm telling so many lies to get you back into office, though. So. <laughs> you know what, though, he he I, wants to be he wants to be Rupert Murdoch, and I think that's mm -hmm. that's probably the route he's going to end up going. It's going to be a network TV network type thing, is what I'm thinking. Oh man! Well, okay. well <laughs> I'm sorry that man's to, voice. Uh, to <laughs> to Daniel's point, I do think what uh tr we're not going down that road. Eh? <laughs> to, 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 it, we're not going to have a we're not going to have a podcast about his Rupert, Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> It's a post-presidency apparition. That's not that's not the podcast for if you want to hear Where that podcast. Now? I'm sure I'm sure it's somewhere, but it ain't here. Um yeah. to Daniel's point, I think what I think what the Republicans in general and what they like about Trump is he I think Trump's comfort food, right? You don't have to think a mm. lot about him. You don't he's he he there's not a lot of change he he promises you only the change that you want if you're a white american um <laughs> you he's he's very like and and this is a normal human reaction um i do empathize with this change is scary there's a reason i've never left for more than a year san antonio texas because change is, is scary it's scary to change and the world is changing ever constantly around us and progressives would like us to lean into that change um, I would like us to lean into that change. And it's easy on paper, but when you actually have to start doing it and governing, um, that's hard and that's a hard sell. And so the Republicans, they take the easy way out. They don't sell it. They, they just try to keep the status quo as status quo as it can. Well, who does that benefit? It benefits the people in power. Um, and so I think that is what most Americans grapple onto. As also with the cult of personality that Trump is. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Trump is an entertaining guy. I don't like him. I think he's right. an asshole, but he is entertaining. And right. there is a cult of personality there that attracts you to vote for that person. And then when you're already biased to believe that what he's doing is good for you, you put those together and that's how you get 70 million people voting for him. I, I, I don't, to me, um, and I can be a little strident about these things. It's no mystery to me what they're thinking. And I don't think it's 
laced in overt racism. I think it's more of the systematic racism that we're already talking about, where they don't see kind of the landmines. And so <laughs> even though I'm the guy who you're kind of talking about, when I said fuck them, I, I didn't mean like fuck them, I'm never going to speak to them again. I just meant like <laughs> you made me mad for this one week and I'm kind of still <laughs> mad at you. But I mean, to get America to where we need to go, we just quite frankly need rural voters to think differently. And we have to be able to talk to them differently. And we have to be able to assuage some of their, uh, their fears of where this change can take them. Right. That's what I think Democrats and let's like, let me segue us into our next uh, topic, because y'all already told about talked about this a little bit. Democrats don't have the Senate. It doesn't look like they're going to have the Senate. The only way they get the Senate is if they win two Georgia, two seats in the uh, Georgia special election in January. Um, the, both those Senate seats went up to a runoff. Um, both candidates technically lost the original election. So there's not a lot of hope per se like obviously there's going to be a lot of fundraising there's going to be a lot of talk Stacey Abrams and her and the black women in Georgia are going to do their thing um but the fact of the matter is they lost the first time they just the candidate that they lost to just didn't happen to not get to over 50 percent of the vote and so in Georgia that means you have another election um so odds are Democrats aren't going to have the Senate odds are um Mitch McConnell is going to take his obstructionist playbook and write it against Joe Biden it's a lot easier to be Joe Biden when you're vice president and you're the second guy and you can kind of right. talk to Mitch McConnell and be like, hey, man, let's get this done when you're not the face of the party. It's a lot easier when you're Joe Biden, senator from Delaware, and all you have to do is represent Delaware. When you're the face of the party and you, the other face of the party, which is Mitch McConnell, let's just be real, Mitch McConnell slash Donald Trump is the other face of the party. Their entire goal is to make you a one-term president, ironically. And to do that, that means they have to make it seem as if you've done nothing. So Mm. they're just going to obstruct everything. That's the same thing they did to Obama. And I think that's the most pressing matter that he's facing right now because we're in this cycle and I don't want to make it too partisan, but at least from an economic standpoint is we've been in the cycle for a long time where a Democrat fixes the economy. Bill Clinton fixes the economy and George Bush messes up the economy. Barack Obama fixes the economy. Donald Trump messes up the economy. So now Joe Biden, he can't get credit for the economy's broken right now. Right. He can fix it. But as you saw with Barack Obama, you only get but so much credit for that because the alternative they don't understand what the alternative is to that. The alternative is, is the economy gets more broken. They can't fathom that. That's a counterfactual that they can't process. And so I think he's in a very precarious position. And I do somewhat disagree with Daniel from the standpoint of with the pieces that are in place, if we get back into hyper-partisan politics, which I think we're still not through that era yet, um, I hope we can get through it some a little bit. Maybe Joe Biden can bridge that gap and surprise me. But yeah. if we if we stay on the track that we are on, the pieces are in place for Joe Biden to look like he hasn't done much of anything that sure. that conservatives and people in rural states will agree with for over the last four years. And that does set the, the tone for, I don't know, Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump. I don't know, someone oh, like God. Trump to fill the void and be like, this is what we did right. under my dad as we right. fix the economy, if not for COVID, which will be four years away from now. So people might not even understand the ramifications of what was going on at the time as that face in the background you will then be placing what joe biden has done a record versus what trump has done and on paper because of the economy that trump was blessed with that might not stack up too well because he will be in a recovery and not in uh he will have overseen a recovery and not what donald trump oversaw which was the continued success success that barack obama put in place 
add into that the liberal infighting that is almost surely about to happen as well when we talk about progressive policies um, that are going to be fought for over the next four years. And it, it, we're still, there's still a lot to, to reckon with. I mean, it starts with the fact that for the first time ever, not first time ever, but first time in a very long time, the, it, the incoming president does not have the Senate coming with him. Right. That was, I don't know, D, because I, I mean, like, I think like a perfect storyline would be if, you know, Joe Biden's in office and then we get through COVID by the time the next election comes around, it's like, hey, Trump talked talk some big talk, but when it came down to it, the COVID, he failed on that spectacularly. And I led you through that back to North for Joe Biden and a big negative against Donald Trump in terms of he wants to run again for the next election. It's like, yeah, you said you did go on the economy, but when stuff actually got real in terms of people's lives at stake, you let, you know, 200,000 plus people die and I saved through everybody else. So um, I understand if you look at it for right now through a vacuum, it's like, okay, Donald Trump did right now versus Joe Biden just going into office. Of course, it's going to be hard to, you know, just dream up what could happen to say, you know, reelect Joe Biden or reelect another Democrat. But he does have four years to do something. Uh, case in point, Donald Trump did some stuff four years enough to have people still back when it came time for reelection. So it's going to be up to what they decide to do, how well they can work with the Senate. Um, Cause it's not like they won't get anything done. It won't be to the extreme measures of, you know, exactly what they want to do unless they, like I said, they can flip a couple of seats, but it's not like nothing's going to happen in the country at all. That's never how it's been. So it's going to be up to them to decide and to kind of navigate those waters to see what's going to happen. Um, because once again, Donald Trump is going to be gone. So in terms of how people have been acting for these past four years, I think they're going to acting at least a bit differently comparatively because they don't have Donald Trump protection around them for them to act in the old type of way. Right. So you have to kind of wait and see. Um, of course, you know, he's not, you know, Joe Biden's not Obama. He's not someone that's going to just have this complete support through like all the people, minorities and such, but him not being Trump, him being more in the middle, him actually caring, I guess, showing to care more about both sides could actually help him in fact going forward for stuff he wants to do as well but again you have to kind of wait and see and then it's going to be up to you know up to the people once once they kind of can see a full four years from him it'll be interesting uh because of the and let's get into this the senate why do we think the senate didn't go the way that a lot of people thought you know ed specifically himself said he got caught up in the the blue wave rhetoric and it didn't happen that way um it looks like uh it looks like the Republicans are going to keep control of the Senate. So, A, what do we think happened that Joe Biden was able to become president of the United States, but somehow the Senate stayed red? And B, how do you think that will play into um, what gets done? Because a lot, of, a lot of the incoming presidents, what they kind of bank on is we had a mandate from the people. We have a mandate from the American people. And some of that is because they also have Senate coming, the Congress coming with them. Uh, Donald Trump got through, got passed a lot of stuff off with, and not to say he wouldn't have done it anyway, but a lot of the things in his early term, he was like, well, I, I got, I got elected. I also flipped the Senate. Um, and it is a lot of political power that is curried through that as well. Um, in terms of, I won you your Senate seat because you were on the ballot with me. Joe Biden was not going to have that. Um, and so what do we think happened to take that away from Joe Biden to have that that in his pocket and what do you think the ramifications of that are going to be um just trying to project that forward well um, i think people voted i think people voted blue for president but then i think a lot of people that probably would have you know there's a lot of people that probably would have voted um republican across the board but trump 
was literally just too much. The, the nonsense from him was just too much for them. So I think they voted probably Biden for president. But then when they went further down the ticket, I think they voted, you know, uh, for the Republican candidates for Senate and whatnot. And I think that, you know, we there was even quite a few seats that were lost in the um, uh, in the in the House, wow. not enough to, to change anything. But there were seats that were lost in the House. I think it was something like 10 or 12, at least to this point. So um, I think what it was, was this is one of those situations where and you can say that, you know, whether you feel it's genuine or not. You have a lot of people that want to continue that process of the checks and balances, so to speak. Okay, we, we need something different at president because unfortunately we've got a guy that's, you know, it's not quite working out as far as what we're being, how we're being represented as a country. Uh, but at the same time, we don't wanna have this person have the house, the Senate and the presidency because then all the things that we fear may happen if you have a quote Democrat in office uh, as a president, if they get all everything all together, because remember how the big repudiation with, when, when Obama for that short period of time had, you know, all three branches were, you know, I mean, it was, it was all Democrats and they were so upset about what happened with Obamacare, regardless of whether or not the, the, the anger in, in regards to that was warranted or not. The point is they freaked out about that. And until this day, they've been trying to get rid of Obamacare, the, the, uh, the right has. So, I mean, I think that was more along the lines of let's, let's make sure, Hey, as much as we understand how wild this, this ride has been with Trump as president, and we probably don't want to continue that anymore. Um, we need somebody different in the White House, but at the same time, uh, it, it felt to me like they were worried about our standing in the world, and Trump was just a huge impediment to that, and yet they didn't want things to really change. It was almost like, it felt to me like there were a lot of voters that just didn't want us to look like idiots anymore even though they still wanted to maintain the things that they like, you know, they still wanted, you know, the, to be fiscally con conservative, at least so they thought, and they still wanted to be socially conservative as they thought, but they didn't want to look like idiots. And that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. I'm yeah. I mean, looking like we just talked about earlier, uh, I think the majority of people who for this election voted for Trump, actually don't like Trump too much, but they are just the you know, Republicans through and through. And that's kind of what's, what's showing through, which is why you have to kind of identify the reason why, you know, they're still, regardless of who's in office, they'll vote Republican no matter what. So I think that's the reason why you see, you didn't see too many, you know, Senate seats flipping or at all, just because if they're still voting their party lines because what they think the other side represents, they don't want any part of that. Um, in terms of how they're going to affect Joe Biden and, and Kamala, of course, it's going to make things quite difficult to, uh, at least initially, I think in, in two years, a few more seats are going to be up for um, for election again too. So that could change mm -hmm. some things going forward. Maybe in the second half of their of their term, things could be differently. But yeah, I mean, it, it's going to hinder some things. And again, it's going to be on them to kind of pick and choose um, what things to go after. Uh, if they want to kind of maybe hold some stuff close to, to their chest until near the end of their of the term or something. But they have to they have to do things in a way to where you know. If the Senate decides to hold it up, they can say, okay, well, we're trying to do this for the American people, but for some reason, the Senate's not cooperating. They can put it back on them for that um, in, in that sense. So that's really all you can do if they just refuse to work with you. Um, but I think in terms of kind of what they want to enact, they at least can get some of it done, at least in this first term, um, just, you know, just, just based on it actually being able to help 
uh, quite a few people in America. Yeah, I mean, and we and when we look at the landscape of it right now, is it, it's repeating itself. It's not going to be easy, um, but the the voter really, I felt like the voter was like Terrell said, I'm tired of Trump, but. I still want my Republican conservative ideals in this. So therefore I will vote for this democratic president, but for as like sitting in the Congress, I'm going to do my Republican stuff because they're going to make sure that my Republican views are still said with the democratic president. And so, and I feel, and I think uh, the, that's where Joe Biden and Kamala Harris really have to take heed into and listen to the voters and see like, Hey, well, we can't just be all, Flip total liberal. We can't really go totally, right. uh, uh, totally to the to the left side, but we got to make sure that we remain in the middle, and that's where I think is key, and that's where I think it's like where Joe Biden will excel at is because he is. I see him as more of a middle type of uh, democratic sure. than um, center than left, center left type of person. Then because uh, I mean more than I see Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, and so um, it's 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 going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens as they continue to put out some uh, of their policies, how they're going to present it, how it is that Mitch McConnell will receive it. Because like like Derek, you brought up a good point. Like the job of Mitch McConnell now is to make sure that. Joe Biden is a one-term president. And so um, well, 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 that's not his job. That's what he's going to do. That ain't his job. Though. I just, just want to make that very clear. I that's not what I said. And I, I don't want people to think that's what I meant. That ain't his job. That's just what he's going to do. What, what, well, what hey, put that evil on Derek. <laughs> I didn't mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I misquote you, but the way that Mitch McConnell will conduct his business, is that better? Yeah, there you go. Right. Is is to make sure that Joe Biden is a one-term president. And so it, it just is, it's not, it's just going to be interesting to watch. And like Daniel said too, in two years, there's another election for those open house um, and, and Congress seats. And so that, and that may turn the tide towards blue on, on that aspect. But um, it's, we, I, I think I said this in the primaries, like we can't, like the, the the country's not ready for a full uh all all left uh or all right at the same time type of poli- president um it's 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 very scary if we have a full left and a full right president as the president of the united states we need someone on mm-hmm. the center left or center right preferably straight center but that's probably impossible but center left or center right only because like they need to we, if you go all left or all right, you're not listening to the other side. And so really the president should be able to listen to both sides right. of the room and come to a consensus plan or agreement to move forward well, as, as a country. And so um, that's where I feel like that Joe Biden would succeed at again, because he, I feel like he's more center left than, than anything. And he will be able to listen to the center, right? Still listen to the all right. And still listen to the all left. I'm like, Hey, we got to bring this all in. Right. <laughs> and we got to figure out a way to open up this country to get rid of COVID, fight COVID. We got to figure out a way to get the economy back going again, right. but we got to bring all your ideas, all your craziness and bringing it all into this nice little bowl, mix it up. No, 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 don't use that because I disagree wholeheartedly with you on this point. Well, so don't be using my catchphrase. Let me say this real quick. No, no, well, good, because I'm about to say this right quick. Yeah. I, I have points. Real quick, I have points to make. I, and I'm going to let you cook. Real quick, <laughs> I just wanted to say, here's the thing. 
I, I feel like they tried to make Obama out to be something that he wasn't. So the obstructionism that went on with him was, I don't, I think he was pretty center left. And I don't think that people realize that it, it, they weren't obstructing Obama because he was this far leftist liberal, far, 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 far left crazy. Oh my gosh, we don't do that in this country. And that's, type I Democrat. wasn't saying that. He wasn't. No, no, I know you okay, aren't okay. saying that. I'm, I'm okay. saying this. Okay. I feel like what they did was they obstructed so much for that eight years because of the fact that they were trying to make people think that Obama was this caricature of what he actually was. With Biden, they can't do that. It's the same reason he's president or he's the president-elect now is because they couldn't do that. And if you're optimistic, that right there might be the only thing that puts us in a position as a country to get some things done for the next four years is because they can't draw him up to be this boogeyman because he looks, for the most part, like Trump. He's an old white guy. That's yeah. been, you know, but in this case, though, he's been around and he's worked with the same people that what are going to try to act like they don't know what they did the last 30 or 40 years. No, they worked with him when he was before he was vice president. They worked with him in the Senate. They worked with him when he was in the House. They worked with him. So my hope, my as an optimist, I'm thinking to myself, hey, guess what? You guys can't play the race card. You can't play the radical leftist card. You tried it. And it got him elected because you failed at it. So now you can't use that when you're trying to govern and he's trying to govern. You can't use that to obstruct him. So my thought process, if, if I'm being optimistic, is that's what I think is going to end up happening. I am not optimistic. <laughs> I am uh, a lot, more, I am a lot more cynical. Can I can I at least go before you, you, you give me the, the we know? Can I at least make my points first? My God. You can, you can at least give me Let some. Man cook. Can you at least give me some? I, mean, I don't know if he's going to be cooking when it's cold turkey. But man, go ahead. Well, well oh, I, the th here's the thing. <laughs> Dina Ortiz Jones. Radical. Leftist. Uh, shutting down military bases, uh, uh, wants to give your taxpayer money for trans reassignment surgery. Uh, MJ Hager, too liberal for Texas. Uh, better or work, too liberal for Texas. They will attach the liberal, leftist, radical tag to whoever the hell they want. They do not care about the facts. And that is what makes this so hard to go up against the far rightness of the current Republican Party. I have no problem. And I know I, I jokingly said for them to fuck off. I was kidding. I have much sympathy for the actual roots of the party, whom the voters of that party, the rural voters who feel like they're being left behind. I have a lot of sympathy for them. And I do think that we can reach them with better, more concise, more clear, more uh, better marketing of the actual policies that will help them and keep money in their pockets that are more progressive ideals than what the Republicans serve up, which is just, we're going to pretend like we listen to you, but then when we give you your policies, our policies do not really help you. They have to find out, how, they have to figure out how to beat the Republican PR machine. Um, and so while I have a lot of respect for the actual rural voters who we need to actually talk to and find common ground with and move forward as a country, I don't think it is through being in the middle of what is already not a middle stance. 
the Republican, the middle between Democrats and Republicans is not the middle. It's just not the far right. It's just the, not even the center right. It's like in the middle of center right and far right of what the current Republican party and the current Republican establishment is. And so I do not think that Joe Biden needs to, for instance, <laughs> on criminal justice reform, they're going to try to find, where is the middle ground on not, <laughs> on not putting copious amounts of black people in jail for, for crimes that are not crimes? Where is the middle, no middle ground, ground on making sure that everyone is protected and has health care? Uh, I mean, there are things that they frame as we need to find middle ground when they're not trying to find middle ground and they have to figure out how to beat that so that rural, rural voters can understand that we can help them too. We can bring everybody along. So I think attacking, figuring out, I do think that Joe Biden can help that. Um, I think Joe Biden can speak to those people, but I don't think it's from pretending like he's going to find a compromise with Mitch McConnell when I don't think that Mitch McConnell is looking to actually compromise with Joe Biden. And maybe I'll be wrong. I was wrong about Joe Biden being president. So I certainly can be wrong about a, my, a myriad of things. Um, but I, I, I still have the opinion um, that we need to pull this country further left. And that doesn't mean we need to pull it all the way to the left, but we right. need to pull it leftward than what it is currently. And I, what I say, what I'll say as far as the Senate goes, I think some of what we saw here is that the Democrats, and you know, I don't really like the Democrats. But their problem see, is that they're always in their own way. They do not know how to speak to the American people. They do not know how to market themselves. Uh, AOC said some of this in, in a recent article where she was talking about how a lot of the Democratic candidates spent no money on digital in the last week of the campaign. That's insane. That's yeah. an insane way to try to speak to the current American people. That's inexcusable. Uh, it's, it's inexcusable. And, and so I think that the Democratic Party, the Democratic establishment is very bad at putting out candidates who will win elections. They're very good at putting out candidates who look like they might win an election, MJ right. Hagar. Um, they're Fair very game. good at, yeah, they're very good at making people think that if we pour a lot of money into these resources, they may win an election, but then they don't actually do anything. I, I see an MJ Hagar commercial and all she says is I'm in the military and I, God bless her for her service. She's a dope person. Kids. But like, you got to speak to people where they're at and where they're at is I need money in my pocket. I need to know why your progressive ideals are going to help me. And too, too often the Democrats leave that out. <laughs> and so that's where I, I, that's why I think that they lost the Senate because they put bad candidates out. And the, mm -hmm. frankly, I'm not completely convinced that the top of their ticket, the top of their ticket is a good ticket for the moment. I, I have already conceded that, but in terms of, inspiring and motivating i don't think that that ticket worked from the top down i think that's why you saw barack obama for for his moment do better in terms of down ballot races because mm -hmm. he met that moment not only as being the right man for the job at the time but also inspiring his vision to throughout the ticket like oh we need to get this man a mandate so that right. he can govern i don't think they joe biden inspired that he did what he came yeah. to do and that's nice but I, I think all across the board this year, we had some poor candidates for, for electing people to the, to the United States Congress. Even the two dudes in Georgia, uh, you know, one of them is good and one of them is kind of just 
business as usual. So um, that is my spiel. And, and I've said what I said. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the touch on, because you said like a ton of stuff. Let's see if we can kind of break it down here. Uh, y'all, said so the touch t- on, y'all all said a ton of stuff before I did. So I had to say stuff back because I didn't agree with all yeah, of but <laughs> So my turn to respond to what you said. Um, so like you're saying, you're like, okay, how do you have like a centralist stance in terms of criminal justice reform just to, you know, keep black people out of prison, uh, innocent black people. Um, you kind of do what Joe Biden just did when they were saying that, you know, Joe Biden agrees with defunding the police. He's like, no, I don't want to take any money away. I just wanted to add on to it, you know, additional resources to help them out with their job. That the narrative seems like it's in the middle, even though it's not, there's no middle, real middle ground, but it, it makes sense. They're like, look, you can keep your police. We're just adding some stuff to it to help them out. So it's more about how you spend stuff. And that's what it's been for, Recently, now I guess with the, with the whole um, since Trump's been in office a little bit before, this new machination that the Republicans have about you know everybody's extreme left on the Democrats, that's just them spinning a story. So at some point, you got to start spinning your own story as well to combat that. And when, like you're saying for these recent elections, even like for the Senate races and such too, basically the Republicans had a better story than the Democrats did. And Hagar said, "I'm in the military, vote for me." And it's like, okay, that is that it? And that's all it was. They're not telling you like these amazing policies about how I can put money in your pockets and everything like that. It's like, hey, I'm conservative. I'm what you're used to. I won't change, you know, your religious rights and all that kind of stuff too. These people want to take that away from you. That's all they're saying. And people are believing it. So again, it's not like they have these amazing plans in place that, you know, help people out and stuff. They're just saying that I'll, I'll keep stuff the normal way that you're used to. And that's all. And like, to your credit, like you said, the Democrats have a hard time explaining their position on a lot of things, so they kind of get lost and get stuck with what they're getting labeled by their opponents. So they got to find a better way of either be it do better marketing digitally, be it do different things to kind of change the narrative for themselves and either spin one against the Republicans or to spin their own narrative. Um, now, when it comes to you know how come so many didn't flip like Obama did for the for the Senate race. That's because when Obama ran for president, it was more about it's time for a change across the board for everything. When Joe Biden ran, it's more of we need to change our president. That's like the main focus, really. So I think that's why it was a, a different energy in regards to, you know, uh, galvanizing the troops, so to speak, in terms of getting involved in the election. This election is more about this, you know, something different in the Oval Office because he's been acting crazy. It can't happen again. Obama is more about we need why keeping changes for the entire country because the way this country has been for years has been hasn't hasn't been okay and we need to change everything about it so people are like yeah let's all flip it to Democrat because they have this generational you know once in the history type of candidate which Obama was to be able to get people on his side and that's why everybody backed him and everybody voted straight Democrat and everything too well it, it's kind of hard to tell. They actually have the same thing happen with Trump in terms of him kind of galvanizing people saying, hey, Democrats did this, so radical. They, t- they changed health care. They, they, they broke the entire country. Let's switch it all the way back, which is why everybody jumped on board and voted for Trump and for all the Republicans for the Senate seats as well. So again, for this election, it didn't have that same feel. It was more just, hey, get Joe Biden in office just so we don't have Trump, and we'll go from there. So until we have that next candidate that comes up that kind of can galvanize people and say, hey, we need to change systematically for the entire country, I think it's going to be hard to see kind of a full switch across the board for House, Senate, and also the president as well. I think we... Uh, Don't disagree. say it. We disagree. 
no, I, I, I think, I, I think you just said a whole lot of stuff that was basically, I agree with Derek. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think that, but, uh, I think we disagree on how incremental change is going to happen. I think we agree that it's going to be incremental because people will not shift all at once. Um, but I don't think that the middle between Joe Biden and, and Mitch McConnell is good enough to, for me to call it incremental change. Um, and maybe that is where we differ. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Is that, is that something that you think that if we get in between the middle of Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden, that we're on the right track? Um, I really don't want to give Mitch McConnell that much power in terms of him having us power as a president, but I have to see how it plays out. So I'm just saying in terms of Joe Biden being back in office, stuff will move back to more normalcy than before. He's already said he's going to put certain things in, in place. Um, and, and that's fine as well. Now, anything further than that, that remains to be seen in terms of actually what Joe Biden wants to get done, because he said a few different things. But, you know, saying it is one thing, actually trying to enact it is a totally different thing. So maybe once he does talk to Mitch McConnell, he might decide to change his course of action in terms of what he wants to get done. Um, but again, we have to wait and see how that plays out, too. So if we make it a Joe versus Mitch McConnell thing, I think we kind of lose sight of the overall goal. I think for the election and kind of for the next four years as well. I don't want to kind of cast them against each other going forward um, because that doesn't really help anybody. I don't think. Yeah, and that's that's where my fear is. Like, I don't want to. I'm with Daniel. I don't want to make it a Joe versus versus Mitch type of thing. Even though like it's we kind of leaning towards that, but it it shouldn't be that. And so it's we. Like, again, it's, it's a hard it's a hard job. And so hey, Joe Biden is not going to have an, a walk in the park with this thing. And there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done. A lot of uh, talks outside in offices, a lot of talks during um, out of session time. There's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of things that has to be done just to in with the Senate and the House a lot of conversations and a lot of like extra hours in the office to get this stuff, to get some stuff um, changed, to get stuff done. And so Daniel hit, the, uh, Daniel brought up the police, re police reform or defunding the police. And so, and, I, and I'm one of those where like defunding the police is something that we should not do. Reform the hold, police hold is up, something hold that up. we should let's, do. Let's, let's, let's uh, drill down on that. What do you think defunding the police is? So, okay. Fine, we'll get there. so defunding. Yeah, this is important. I'll say so defunding the police, and so with where I have read it and where I have what some of the articles I've seen, defunding the police is where they're taking um, resources. They're also taking uh, cutting paychecks. They're also cutting some overtime hours and cutting and cutting some other avenues for the police officers to make money outside of the normal. 10, 12 hour workday, and also taking some, uh, limiting how many people are going through the academy and so, and stuff like that. That's where I have read. And so where I've also read as far as reform the police, there are changing the, the academy requirements to be able to get into the academy where I saw some reform, uh, um, topics is where they are, uh, adding, another something that all police, uh, city police officers have the psyche valve or it is not a legit psych evaluation. And so they're changing that aspect of it. And so um, there's, and there's, that's where I believe their reform is at. They need to is assist, it's more a test, it's more testing because I've said it, I think I said this off the pod to you guys, is when, or to you and, da to you and Daniel, is where if we, police officers are always there first in any type of major incident. As far as a terrorist attack, uh, as far as a, a 
live shoot um a mass shooter mass event bombing police officers are always the first ones there so there's certain things that they need to have in order to respond to these type of actions that happen that we see that happened on the, some i don't know that happened and so if so some of the uh, extremists defunding the police was like we gotta take. They don't need assault weapons. They don't need SWAT gear. SWAT is not necessary, and all that. That is, that is not where I agree at. Is where we gotta come back to the reform of it and understanding. Yes, the police officers have a hard job, and but yes, they need assistance to complete this hard job. And yes, not everyone should be a police officer. And so we don't need every retired military personnel to be a police officer. We don't need every. Uh, so that's where that's where the the reform is that it's like they need to be they need to be more uh help or assistance added to the police reform so that's where i and i didn't want to really dive dive into it but that's where i believe like, like well it's, it's important because when you who voted for joe biden and you who are somewhat closer to the left than you are to the right when you don't know what defund the police is because that's not what defund the police is that's a problem and that's why i, I blame the democrats for that because they let the republicans hijack the narrative and now no, no one I mean, now no the one democrats knows. said the same let, that's not it was, it was, it was, it's not their narrative that's, that's not what that, defund that, the that, police that, is though that's, that's not because it was created it was created via social media it wasn't created by democrats right. that's why it's but not I'm their saying, narrative and they, and they, they picked it up and ran with it and then they let they let the other side frame whatever that is and that's and that's a democrat's not fault theirs for, that's why they, they have democrats control, fault not for, for allowing that to happen and so if the democrats didn't want that narrative to happen and i know that's, that's not the narrative but, but that's I, I, what i said that's, before you jumped down my throat was that there's some aspects throat. of it you came at me <laughs> so i asked you what, defund what the I, was, I asked you what the fund the police I, is and you 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 did not you did not tell me what defund the police is you told me what the republicans think defund the police he told you what it meant to him there he did tell that's you but these terms these terms are important Important. And when it you is. let the, and when you let them get extremized to where you think that it is just taking guns and protection away, I did, that's not what I said though. Squat gear, I did not, that's not gun, what I said. Assault rifles. That's not all I said. I, okay. All right. We, nah, because you you're pulling. Nah, 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 see, nah, now you, I, you're, I'm you're, not. You're I'm, about I'm, nick picking, so I'm not. Nick, I'm not nitpicking. I'm not nitpicking. You didn't tell me what defund the police is. Yo, <laughs> yo, chill, chill. I, 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 I didn't attack him. I just asked him what it was, and he didn't explain yeah, it to me. DR, DR, DR. Let, let, let T-Hub talk. I want situations where... Uh, I want the police to have the resources for the situation at hand. I'm sick and tired of police showing up to situations where people are having mental issues and treating them like they're criminals or treating them as if they could be dangerous to them as cops. I'm a cop, my number one job is to protect myself because let's be clear, even though it says protect and serve on the side of that car, let's be very, very clear. Police's number one job is to keep themselves from getting harmed. So with that being the case, I want people that are trained to handle people with mental disabilities to come to these people's homes and handle these situations. I want some of the money that is being poured into police forces and police departments to add more police 
when you start look in areas where you look at the demographic and you look at the number of people and you look at the areas and and the geography of the areas they're in we have situations where there are police forces that vastly outnumber the amount of people in a given area or that we're basically just saying hey let's just throw as many cops out here as we can and let's just see what happens and it's actually escalating situations i want money to go towards teaching police officers how to talk to people and not just say i'm authority i'm an authority figure and you're going to listen to me because that's really what we we've we've all seen the videos we've all seen these facebook lives and stuff where people of color are talking to these police officers and they're fully within their rights and the police officers are dragging these people out of cars and handcuffing them and arresting them because the people knew what their rights were when this cop pulled them over. So there is a lot of issues with training. There are a lot of issues with just simply under, well, that's, it falls under training, training in regards to uh, de-escalating situations, um, just over-policing areas when they don't need to be over-policed and just simply taking police back to what we have been lied to or, or turning police into what we have been lied to and told that police are. We've been told that police are there to keep the peace and they are the complete and total polar opposite of that. So when I hear the words defund police, what comes to mind is taking some of the money that we're pouring into the police and divert them to areas where we can make the police not have to be as necessary or at least make some of the things that they're doing right now not have to be as necessary. If schools have better funding, kids have better education. If teachers don't have to ask the parents to bring glue, Q-tips, cotton swabs and stuff like that because they have the correct funding, it goes up the ladder. These kids are going to have teachers that are going to be in a better mood, teachers that are better equipped, all these things. You can take some of the money in these communities that you're pouring into police, into the police stations and, and all these police because you think, oh, well, we've got all the, we've got these areas of town where these people are just, you know, they're criminals and all these horrible crimes are happening. And you're not taking into consideration that it starts at a young age. And you can take some of this money and you can put some of this money in some of these different areas. Maybe you eliminate some of those people that have those mental issues because they probably started at a really young age. Maybe you help these kids that have learning disabilities. Maybe you help these parents that you know don't have resources. Uh, one of the things Biden has been talking about is making it to where if you're under a certain income level, you don't have to pay for college, whether it's community college or whatever it might be. Little things like that eliminate things. And if you can take some money from some areas within your city and in your state, that is going to somewhere frivolous that it doesn't need to go to. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't think police need a, a raise every year. I don't think we need to drop. There's some obscene number in New York that they like spend for police in New York. And I understand there's a ton of people there, but there's some obscene number that it just went up this past year. And that money could have gone to so many different other things that would have lessened the need to have such a massive police force. And then, you know, and then I hear this, oh, well, you're going to have cops. You're not going to have as many cops. What if somebody wants to be cops? Okay, that's great. But the bottom line is, is that you don't need to pour 
millions and billions of dollars into these police stations. So, I mean, that's what it feels like to me. I just feel like the money can go other places to where you don't end up having to spend it down the line on more police. It can go to so many other places to eliminate the need. So I don't know if that is, I'm, that, my goal is not necessarily to explain defunding the police, but and, that is what I think it should mean. And, and, and yes, <laughs> is you did. should be taking the money to put it somewhere else so that you don't need to spend so much money on police. That, that is what defunding the police is. Is, is it having them not get any more raises? No, it's ha it's it's taking it's reallocate reallocating the massive money we spend on the military on our police force and right. allocating it to other places so that the police become ne less necessary. It's taking that money and building a coalition like Terrell described, where it is you know if you need a mental health expert. Sure. Inst instead of a policeman showing up, you send a, a mental health expert, but you can only do that if you start real allocating some of those dollars so that you can have people trained in those positions. So it is diverting the funds uh, from the police station, from just <laughs> the militarization of the police into other avenues and streams so that they become less, so that we have less uh, police brutality because they're in situations that they shouldn't be in. Yeah. Right. Now, now, when I when I was first born, though, is that the meaning of defund the police when it was first born in social media? Or is that where some people have adopted it into based off of what they when, think it should be? When the idea of defunding the police came about, that is what it meant. That did not mean that. No, it did not. Not to everybody. We're talking about the social media bastardization of what things mean. Social media has has really screwed up just about the meaning of many, many, many things. But defund the police was born from social media and then later on was adopted by certain Democratic candidates, though. So that's what I'm saying. I, I know what you're saying, D, and yes, I agree with you. That's how it should be. But also, Ed is right as well. It, it can mean different things. And until you actually have an actual policy out there for people but to I, read, but I, I and you can do whatever the hell you want and say it means this to me. So yes, you can't take their guns I away. I disagree or with the order of operations on that, Daniel. People with political power within the political system started bringing up defunding the police and then it went to social media it was not something born of social media and uh activists political activists who are on the ground boots on the ground doing these things and working within these structures they put out the phrase defund the police and then it was taken and ran with by social media i i disagree with you on the order of operations and that's that's well fine. that's fine but i think when, when they put it out they said Defund the police, but let's also add on these additional things to it as well. I don't think that's how it was when it was first birthed, but it, it, it changed over time. And I think it's changing for the better. But to, again, get on people who are saying, how can the public can use, use it against Democrats because it's not the Democrats in the first place to start off with. It was just put out there by either social media or by activists on social media, and it grew from there. So it can change over but, time, but at some point, so you have to own it and say, okay, this is what I mean by defund the police, or I'm gonna change it to reform the police or whatever you wanna do. At some point in time, you gotta own it and put down in writing what you mean by that. But activists on but activists are a part of the political system. So I think it's a disservice to them to say that it started on social, and, social and, media. And now, now, nowadays, so social media, Derek. Social media is part of the political system too. Well, I don't, so what, okay, I mean, I think you're- It is. I think it you're is. being semantical to, okay, that's fine. We can move on. Uh, we are out of time for today because we took a long time on this topic. Um, you and Nancy Rowe is like crazy, It bro. was necessary.
It was necessary. I, I mean, I think it was important to have the defund the police conversation because, yeah. uh, I mean, again, argument. A, argument. I, I, I didn't even get to finish my point when he said his because y'all y'all jumped in. Yeah, bro. I'm messing with you, Derek. I'm messing with you. I mean, he's messing with you, Dave. I mean, I'm, my bad, my bad. I'm trying to host. It, I'm, I'm trying to host a show, and you know, there's a lot. I have to do a lot of things bad. at once. I know we, there's a level of aggrievement that we accept here, but anyway, it's fine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> be blessed, be peace, be love. No, no, no. There you go. No, 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 no. It ain't, it ain't your show, dog. <laughs> it ain't your show, homie. Thank you and wife Trey Blanco for stopping by and having the defund the police discussion that, was, the police. that was clearly de- uncomfortable de- de- for you the police. and you didn't really want to do it. Hey. I do appreciate you doing it in the end. Um, it didn't, I don't know if you got out of it what you wanted because you seemed to know where it was headed. You didn't like it, but I thought it was a worthy conversation to have and we had it in its totality. Thank you for stopping by. Take an opportunity to grill Trey Blanco for no reason at all, but he always Nick, take some don't words out of, from my friend and let's do it his way. Hey, hey, da- hey, anyway, hey, hey, Trey Blanco, follow me at Trey Blanco. You had your chance to plug your shit, dog. I gave you the chance. I extended an olive branch and you threw it in my face. So Daniel Davidson, what up, bro? Yeah, you know, you catch me and Trey Blanco on Trey Blanco podcast, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> on your DSTs, what it do, baby? There you go, what it do. Sa- save this man from himself. Terrell Huff, thank you, my man. Hey, indeed. Hey, hey, like I always say, support the arts, because we are the arts. For, for my gang of, of trusty friends, I am your man, D.R. Lewis. Not Not everybody, but I think Ed wants to say something. Got something to say? That's right. Olive branch accepted, sir. Too late. (laughs) 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 Don't do anything we wouldn't do. Just kidding. Do everything we wouldn't do. We're having better discussions. (laughs) We are. (laughs) Peace. Goodbye.